if you have an idea, just stop talking about it and do it. A lot of people just talk about things constantly or they wait till something's perfect and then it never happens. And then they blame the universe or they blame other issues. But it's like, you obviously have to weigh up what's the worst that can happen if you try something. But if it's not that bad, then just give it a go. Like the only thing that you have to worry about is failing. And that's just your ego being dumb. Like we all fail every day. Failure is just a step to success anyway. So why worry about it? Just call it something different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the 30-something podcast. I hope you're managing to keep your sanity in lockdown. Hopefully boredom's not getting to you too much and you're finding ways to distract yourself. So before I jump into the introduction, the first thing I'm going to ask for those regular listeners, if you've not left a review, if you've not shared on your Instagram story or told your friends about the podcast, please do. It's getting a lot more consistent. I feel like the quality is kind of going up. And it does make a huge difference. The guy who is on the pod today shared a clip in his story. 20, 30 new people found the Instagram page and found out about the podcast. So if everyone who was listening did that, we'd hopefully get a lot more eyeballs on it. Or ears, I guess. So this week's episode is with Richard Davies. Now, Richard has an unreal story. He basically started with a friend, his own fashion brand called Abandoned Ship Apparel. And... It went through some really tough times. I'm not going to tell you the story now. We cover everything from Richard's retail and business experience to the life lessons he's learned, kind of his lifestyle, how there was some mental health aspects and all the exciting things that have happened with Richard and the brand and all the things that are coming for it in the future. Really in this episode, I think there is, and I don't say this lightly, I think there is something for everybody so hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as i enjoyed the conversation and we'll just jump right on in thank you very much for joining me in the podcast oh thank you for having me me and rich have kind of worked together on a wee project before this so i was lucky enough to have a drive up with rich from glasgow to dundee so i've got some insight already my captive audience for three hours of driving that was fine (laughs) i mean i actually i learned a lot and i just need to make sure that we cover all the bases for anyone listening too i know and i'll try not to do that thing where i say oh i remember i told you about that before or remember i said because that's always uh, frustrating when you listen to a podcast and someone says that so it's all new information i (laughs) I remember on my side not to be like obviously you told me but for everyone else yeah (laughs) but then again do you mind telling everyone else can you give a wee bit of your background just to start things off yeah sure so uh i am the owner and artist behind abandoned ship apparel uh which is a i guess an alternative clothing line from scotland that's been going for nine years this march um it's had many iterations over the years we started in glasgow um, i started with uh, my best friend uh, we started with 300 pounds a dot com and a couple of designs it grew into this big beast of a business like we we hit the retail sector at the right time and we knew what we were doing to kind of like really make the most of it so i think within the first two years or three years our turnover was 1.2 million uh, which is insane um, and then very sharp steep learning curve by year five we went into liquidation um, so before we get into the liquidation side I know you said you hit the market at the right time 
but I'm sure a lot of people were trying the same thing. Going from £300 to £1.2 million, like, it's incredible. Oh, it's, it's, what, it's, it's wild. Um, what do you think you guys did? Was it a bit of luck? Obviously, skill. I think that what we did was we were one of the first sort of independent businesses that kind of really started growing at that point. Uh, we were sort of a social marketing business. We really kind of grabbed social media um, and, and utilized it um, in very guerrilla ways that I don't think had really been channeled before by the bigger guys. So the older brands had been around maybe dinosaurs a little bit. They were still kind of like, I, I used to work in retail before I did this. And I remember the rise of the online store going from making like no money on like a nationwide business to then being as much as a store would make, like one of the stores to then overtaking it. And I watched all of that happen. So I don't think a lot of the older guys really understood the power of online selling. And then we kind of, we kind of hit it as at in 2011 when, there was no rules on Facebook advertising. You were just very like in people's face and we just kind of just shoved it down people's throats. We were very honest about who we were. We were a bit sort of satirical, a bit dumb, having fun. We had sort of a, 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 people just knew that we were kind of Scottish and we were drunk all the time and we were having, like we just, we didn't take ourselves too seriously. We had the business nuts and bolts behind us in the sense that I'd worked in retail for a decade and my mm. business partner at the time he'd worked in marketing for a decade so we knew how to sell a product we knew what a product would sell how old were you guys at the time? um he's five years older than me so i would have been 24 when we started and he would have been 29 right okay um he his background was working for a marketing uh, working for a nightclub in the marketing department and i was uh i'd worked in retail selling clothes for so long i'd been a store manager and stuff uh, all over the country so i we both kind of knew our aspects of it and um, he had more of a design background as well he did the posters for the nightclubs as well so mm -hmm. he knew photoshop well enough that we could possibly uh, and then learn from where we went so we both kind of learned while we went first year we were just shipping we we're packing stuff up and we we were flatmates at the time we we're just just packing up orders in the living room and then whoever had the longest lunch break or the time the next day would just take an Ikea bag to the post office and we'd just send them out. And the boxes would just sit in my bedroom when we weren't using them. So we'd wheel them out into the living room, pack this stuff up at the end of like 50, 60 hour weeks doing other jobs and then just do that. And it wasn't until almost a year in that my now wife got a job in Leicester for Next and she was moving. And I was like, wait, well, I'll go with you. I guess the job I had, um, the company I worked for, they went into liquidation, the retailer. So my job was actually safe, but it just felt like a sign that it was the, the time to kind of go for it. So I was like, well, my job's safe this time, but how long is it going to be safe for? Well, so where were the t-shirts up to by that point? I'm guessing not enough to be your full-time job, which is it why you have It was just left. at the tipping point of that. Right. So it was like, there was enough money to pay someone. I took like a massive pay cut. To, so I basically went self-employed first because my business partner at the time, Duncan, he was, he had like a mortgage to pay for and stuff and I didn't have anything. I was following my wife down to Leicester. I was like, screw it. I'll just go to Leicester and I'll run the business from Leicester. So he was basically like, look, okay, that's fine, but we're not, we can't pay you as much as you're on at the moment because we don't have the money. So we can afford to pay you X. So I think it was like, I can't even remember what it was. It was it was a significant drop. It was about half my wage that I was on. Mm -hmm. I was like, screw it. I believe in this. I think I can make more money 
for us by being full-time. I think it's got to that point when we need someone doing this full-time because like just emails, sending out orders. And then the first day I was self-employed working for the business, um, I secured us a high street window campaign. So we just start building up wholesale, building up clients, and then just everything kind of started clicking. And then he he ended up leaving his job two months after that and being full-time. And then we hired our first employee. And then we just kind of kept growing and growing and growing from there until we were this sort of big monster of a business that had 20 members of staff and we had multiple sort of uh, sites and it was just all crazy and we were there at the right time but unfortunately we were so tied up to the wholesale machine that when a lot of our we lost sort of two of our high street uh, customers to liquidation themselves about sort of within the six months before we went into it and it was just one of these things where we just could not keep afloat anymore Mm -hmm. we made we made some mistakes other things happened that it just kind of went like we just it just kind of came to a point where it was like well this this business model does not work anymore what was the the biggest mistake there was a couple but i think definitely sort of relying on wholesale worked for us at the beginning but as the machine of wholesale changed we didn't change with it so the way i used to do a wholesale at the very beginning was is very simple so wholesale works at 2.5 markup usually on retail so if you're buying a t-shirt for £25 from a high street retailer, then they're probably paying £10 for it. And that might cost the person that's making it £5. So you're making a two markup on it to when you're selling to someone. So it works roughly like that. Obviously, the numbers are all different. It depends. And if someone doesn't know this who's listening to it, I'm sorry, that's how business works. Basically, for every t-shirt we sold to someone like ASOS, we made that money back again. They spent £10,000 of us, we would have £5,000 profit. Mm. Roughly speaking, at the beginning of it, that's how it worked. But what happened over time was people like ASOS got more buying power, so they would... And I'm using ASOS as an example. It wasn't ASOS. It was, I'm just using them as an example because people know who they are. It's probably the biggest wholesaler in the UK at the moment. I'll say JD Sports then. So say JD Sports spends uh, £10,000. We make £5,000 profit from that. And then, so basically what I would do is I would use that money to buy stock for our website. So for every pound that someone spent, I would spend a pound on the website. Mm-hmm. So however much stock JD Sports or ASOS bought, we would have the same amount of stock for our website. And technically it was free. That's how, no, it wasn't free, but that's how I saw the system yeah. work. But then what happened over time was that people would ask for more discount or they would be late in payment or it would just, and it just became this thing where actually for every t-shirt, we sold, we weren't getting one for free. We were getting half of one for free. And then it just started to, the goalposts just started to move. And what we didn't, what I did, myself probably more than anyone in the business, what I didn't realize was that this was happening until too late. And then the numbers were just getting too far and far away from each other so that we had running, really high running costs. And I'm going, well, why are we sitting at deficit of 10,000 pounds? And the difference is because someone's asked for 10% off at some point along that route. Mm. So, when you're talking about these kind of numbers, like we were taking orders for sort of fifty thousand pounds worth of stock at times and stuff like that. So when you're talking about that, and someone's asking for a ten percent discount, it's not small amount. It's five thousand pounds, yeah. and that's a couple of employees' wages for the month. For that's rent for three months. Like it's it all starts adding up, and when you have those sizable changes in numbers, it it, it can quickly become an issue. And then when you lose retailers because you're now used to having that that cash will come in, when you lose your customers or your customer's expecting even more discount, mm-hmm. then it just becomes unmanageable. And that was a big, that one of those things was a, was a big deal. For, that was a big deal for me because I felt that I was 
I was responsible for everyone. As one of the directors, I was very responsible for everyone's livelihoods. Making a mistake like that and everything that happened, I, t- I took a lot of that on my shoulders for a long time. And it, it really affected not just how I ran a business, but how I treated myself for maybe a couple of years. It's only in the last couple of years I've really kind of come back to myself and feel confident in it, knowing that after the liquidation, I was able to buy the business back from the liquidators, start it up again and create a sustainable business that now actually provides for employees and there's a long plan a long-term plan of well no one else can mess this business up apart from us there's no we're not relying on anyone beyond obviously our customers buying t-shirts and um, but even then we have a sustainable business model that we don't actually need to turn over that much so we can have bad days without being too reactionary like a lot of our competitors mm-hmm. so a lot of you'll see it online all the time and on the high street people are constantly in sale they're constantly discounting they're constantly doing promotions and that's very toxic because what they're doing is they're comparing their figures to last year's and they're trying to beat those figures and hit targets Um, and what it does is it creates a toxic cycle of sale so they're buying more stock because they're not making as much profit on the stock they used to have so they have too much stock so then they want to sell that stock because they need to get rid of it to buy more stock Mm. because that stock will just sit there for too long so what you're actually doing is instead of selling 20 t-shirts for a certain price and getting a good amount of profit and actually making a viable business you're selling 50 pieces of that product for less you're saturating your market there's too many pieces of that it then it loses its appeal and very quickly you're falling you're in free fall and you're not actually a lucrative business anymore yeah. and it's it's a it's a thing that's happening across the whole uk and pretty much all sectors of retail and it's kind of crazy that a lot of the retailers aren't kind of going whoa we need to slow down and not keep just selling throwaway fast fashion we need to actually think about what we're selling what we're selling it for and why we're selling it because at some point it that bubble's going to have to burst because there's only so many t-shirts people need there's only so many pairs of shoes people need mm. especially with the, how people are reacting to clothing now and sustainable fashion uh, renewable fashion um, i know a lot of people like who aren't buying clothes new clothes anymore my wife didn't buy as barely buys new clothes my mom barely buys new clothes she's decided she's not buying any new clothes this year so if my mom, who's in her 60s, has gone, well, actually, I shouldn't be buying clothes anymore because it's bad for the environment and I don't need any new clothes, that's showing, I think that's a very clear indicator of how people are shopping now. So it's not enough just to go have a decent design on a T-shirt. We have to really think about what products we're putting out there and we need to either make people desperately want them or we need to only create a sustainable amount of them so that the people that do want them can get them, but we're not sitting on a ton of stock and therefore going into sale. So that's been a big thing for for me the last couple of years is to try and make sure that we've got a sustainable business that we're not just pushing out product just to make money that actually is just going on buying new product and just just like just making up paying our bills we're actually going well actually let's sell a little bit less but be able to retain a little bit more so that we can actually just weather the storm and just continue to make cool stuff that we actually like and people actually want to buy because of your own morals and concerns about the environment, because it's the way you see the market going, a combination. It's difficult for me to go too deeply into the mo- like the morals uh, and the ethical aspects of all of this as someone who produces apparel, mm. because I don't want to come across as um, hypocritical because I am still adding to the problem. And as a small independent, I'm not adding to the problem in any kind of scale as someone sort of large uh, retailer but it is something that I would I I'm not going to sort of harp on about because I don't think that I'm in the right position to do that 
And I don't think that it would be ethical of me to argue that case because I think that at a certain point, like I, I make sure that what I am making is as ethically produced as it can be. Sure. Um, providing jobs in the UK for printing. Uh, we don't um, use any plastic on our packaging or anything like that. I try and do the things I can do. By the end of the day, I'm still producing a product which is not good for the environment. Mm-hmm. It's hard pressed to find a product that is yeah, good for I, the I environment. Don't, I don't mean to put you in spot, Rich. Obviously, no, no. Of course. We both work in retail, so it, it's quite a tough line as a retailer to want to do good, to believe in good causes, yeah. but then people to not flip on its head and say, "Of course, I think I think you can. I think you can look at anything and kind of." You can flip anything to be a negative or a positive, depending on how you look at it. Um, and that's something that I always really stressed about, um, especially a few years ago when I was uh, sort of really low in myself and I had sort of I was going through sort of very tough time with my mental health. And this was from the business. I was from the like that was sort of post liquidation for the couple of years after mm-hmm. that, um, which I was very trans. I tried to be very as transparent as possible about it, but sort of it was one of those things that sort of every negative comment really hit home for a long time. And um, so it's something that I try not to get into my own head about too much now, but I always do try and sort of, if, someone, if someone's polite and wants to have a conversation about it online with me, then I will have that conversation. A lot of your guys' values are very positive, but a lot of things society are talking about now, you mentioned yourself, mental health is one of the key things, trying to go greener. And when I follow the abandoned ship bar on Instagram and stuff, I see you guys are trying to introduce a lot of like vegan meals. Are you vegan yourself? My wife is vegan. She's been vegan for a good few years now. Um, she's been vegetarian for pretty much as long as I've known her. So I'm pretty much vegan in the house. Mm-hmm. I love cooking, so it's great for me because it means I get to cook, like try all, all these different things. She's been running a, a cruelty-free blog for years as well. So she's you can, always- You can plug it. It's Honey Pop Kisses on our social media as well. It's Honey Pop Kisses. So she's she's kind of a bit of my moral compass when it comes to that. Like when I was younger, I was a bit sort of brash and I love steak and I eat it blue and all that. And like and it it is kind of difficult. It 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 got harder and harder the older I got and the more aware I was of things to ignore that and just be like, well, I love bacon, so fuck it, I'll eat bacon. I started calling it Meteor's Remorse a couple of years ago. Okay. I had this epiphany that it was when I saw a post, like all these posts on Facebook, and I saw a post about people complaining about um, a country eating dog. I was like, oh, imagine someone eating dog. And then I went, but wait, there's countries where people don't eat cows and there's countries where people don't eat pigs. And I'm like, so it's just a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. So who are we to tell someone that culturally for them it's wrong to eat dog just because culturally for us it's we have dogs as pets and then i went ah crap that works the other way around culturally who are we to accept that we're allowed to just eat pigs and cows and chickens and everything and i went yeah that's a bit screwed up and then it kind of just completely unraveled my whole kind of thought process to it so i still do eat meat but what i try and do is I don't really eat it very often, maybe a couple of meals a week tops. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try and make sure that it's good quality, that I know where it's come from. If there's another op- uh, another sort of option, then I'll usually have that. I'm not as strict when I'm on the roads because it's. I would always rather have a healthy, balanced meal than having chips because there's nothing else to eat. And um, because of work, I travel quite a bit. So I try to be honest with myself about that as well. I don't beat myself up about it, but it is that kind of thing of like, well, if I can make the option to sort of make things a little bit better then i will um and then with the mental health it's the same like i, I again when i was a, a young manager in retail sort of this is maybe 14 years ago um and people would sort of phone in sick for sort of anxiety or depression i just i didn't understand it 
I was I was never rude to anyone. Like, thankfully, like I, I had something more about myself than that. As um, a manager, did you doubt it though, or? So obviously, I'm I'm very free now. So we're definitely you probably the same. You were brought up in the the sort of man up era of like just get on with it and like and sort of a not I guess it is toxic mas- toxic masculinity of kind of just sort of hiding your emotions and not really kind of coming to terms with a lot of things and just kind of like you power through just get on with it i still so, do rich it's all locked yeah, away tight yeah, you know no, like yeah. buried in yeah but it, it, the thing is it is it is buried in because i still find myself sometimes i i still find that toxic behavior in myself of going well i'll just get on with it it's fine it doesn't matter which isn't the best way to sort of treat a lot of things like sort of being like emotionally uh withdrawn and stuff isn't isn't great for relationships sure, <laughs> any yeah. relationship not just a relate not just like in a romantic relationship any, any relationship like being a lot more open with in all my relationships work-wise parents friends like has been a massive thing that has kind of come to me in my 30s but when I was in my early 20s uh, and sort of late teens and I was a manager in a position of authority and someone phoned a sick I was like well you're just sad and I didn't understand it mm-hmm. and it actually took me to get there I became more understanding but I still didn't have a point of empathy for it but like a, a few of my friends have gone through some really difficult times a lot more difficult times than I've gone through and I've tried to be a support to them, but prior to sort of my experience, I I just didn't really, I didn't really know beyond just going, okay, it's okay. Well, if you need anything, I'll help. If you want to listen, I'll listen, kind of thing like that. But I didn't really have a, I didn't really even have an inkling of what to expect. And then mm. actually going through the liquidation and going through that really difficult period of my life was a big eye opener for me. Kind of made me realize, sort of maybe just from a, a small point of view, okay, well this is. I understand it now. I understand a bit more of just what this must feel like because my darkest day must be a good day to some people. So if someone says something then and like and, and stories and like anecdotes and stuff started to kind of make a bit more sense to me. And then I started to open up about it on social media because I found it cathartic to just put it out into the universe. Mm-hmm. And social media felt like this kind of release for me. So I could go, okay, well, I, it was usually after I'd had like a bad spell of something. So I was like, well, this is how I felt recently. This is like, imposter syndrome or this and like i'm just putting it out there and then people be like oh, it sucks i know exactly how you feel then have a, a conversation with them and then kind of built this community up around this sort of shared experience and the, and they were supporting me and i was supporting them and then this next thing happened was i would post these things out and then someone would say something and then someone else would come and support them so then people were supporting each other within this sort of community and it kind of it built this really nice thing and a very genuine thing. I felt that it just t- sort of turned it turned the band and ship more into a community beyond that. Mental health's not something I've focused on as much in the last couple of years. And I think that it's because I felt that I've either been in a better position mentally or I've been in a position where I don't feel that I, n- I need to share it publicly anymore. Mm. Um, I changed the way I do social media a little bit in the last couple of years where I kind of retain a bit more of that sort of negativity because I'm now speaking to other people in my life. Whereas before I maybe wasn't sharing with my nearest and dearest, it was easier to share online. Whereas now I've kind of sure. learned a little bit more about sharing that I can actually have a conversation with someone and be like, well, I had a, I had a shit year last year. And I realize now that, and I know myself a little bit better. So I can be like, okay, well, I was running away from something. I was dealing with this way. I wasn't, I wasn't being healthy here. Why did I do that? how can I bear myself? And it's just a constant kind of cycle. But I think at the core of ownership is always about sort of 
maybe it's not about mental health as such, but it's more it's more just about sort of a good state of mind and just and support and kind of just being that the reminder that things are okay. Mm. Personally, you kind of mentioned the era we grew up in of the man who keeps it all in, doesn't talk about his feelings, and you said that was you in your twenties, but now not so much in your thirties. Is it something? You have to consciously battle with every day to be like, this is something I need to talk about. Do you still find yourself keeping things in or now that you've started, is it like a snowball? It's easier. It's definitely easier. Like it definitely feels like I can have conversations I wouldn't have been able to have it sort of a decade ago or even maybe six or seven years ago. But it is something that I'm not constantly struggling with, but I may look at something and I'll have a I'll have a snap decision on something and then I'll actually go, well, actually, that's not actually how I feel. That's just an embedded ghost of a of a of a thought of how I felt a decade ago, mm-hmm. or how I think that society societally my brain should work. Like it's it's it goes back to sort of toxic masculinity of kind of being like, well, just get on with it. Is that kind of thing of just you go there and you go, well, actually no, let's actually think about it a little bit and actually understand it a little, like understand yourself or understand how why you're feeling that way a little bit more. Mm. And it's it's even stuff like I, I just said. So last year I had a a really crap year. I didn't understand I'd had a bad year until the end of the year. Like actually during that year, I knew I knew I'd had bad periods, but like I thought that like on the whole it was quite a positive year. Yeah. But actually looking back on it, I was like, okay, well that was actually a very. I was like maybe like eight months of just like really bad like toxic behavior okay. internally. Not like I wasn't doing anything like bad to other people, but I was sort of I was traveling a lot. I was. I wasn't drinking too much as in I had a drinking problem. I was just not taking care of myself. Yeah. I stopped drinking to escape things sort of three years ago and uh, sort of two or three years ago. One of the best decisions I ever made. Like I never drink when I'm angry anymore or upset anymore, but I was sort of continually drinking while I was on the road and it just, and so you, you constantly in a kind of chemical imbalance. So it's not never enough to be like too much of an issue, but it's enough that, you're not actually in your sort of your most positive, healthy state of mind because something's just constantly you've always got off. a slight, a, yeah. like a slight fuzz, and it's just not quite right. And like I was, I was traveling a lot, but I was spending a lot of time on my own on the road, like in a hotel room, like just sad. And it was like this, and maybe, and it was just me trying to live the life I thought I wanted to live, but not actually. That's not actually what I wanted to be doing. I just felt that that was what I wanted to be doing in this whole thing but i like it, it's still stuff that i'm kind of unraveling now sure. as i get into it like i'm i feel like i'm in a really positive place right now but i might look back in a couple months go well actually you probably could have worked on that a little bit more it's just it's a constant constant thing uh, for me just to kind of maybe i overanalyze a little bit but it's always constantly interesting for me to try and find that balance and understand sort of where i am or where i have been to kind of then get a little bit better and i think that's as long as you're learning and kind of moving forward then it's all for the better well at least that analysis gives you an awareness of it because some people will just get in a vicious cycle of doing it year in year not realizing what they're doing to themselves this is it and i I don't know if you're the same with uh like i've just talked about how sort of mentally i'm a little bit more aware of myself and a little bit more aware of my toxic behaviors as, as it happens but i'm also more aware of my body in the sense of if I'm eating something or I've eaten something I shouldn't have eaten or drank too much the night before, like I'm much, my, I'm much more aware of, okay, my body needs water. My body shouldn't have that Domino's pizza that I'm craving right now. Cause I'm hungover or I should definitely uh, not have a second cup of coffee. Like 
it's something that like I never had when I was in my twenties. Like, and it's only just come like in the last couple of years of just being more aware of like my body state at any one yeah. time. And it's kind of interesting because I, I, I don't know if that's something that a lot of people kind of get as they get older and they get a bit more attuned with their body, but it's interesting. Cause I've, I kind of have like, I kind of know tipping points and stuff with my body now. So I'm like, okay, well I need to drink more water as I said, or okay, I've had a couple of beers. I should go home. Or I shouldn't I shouldn't eat that food. I should have something healthier. Or it's just like it's it's kind of a weird thing. I felt the same recently, and I feel for me it's kind of a combination of the wisdom that's come with age, yeah. just knowing yourself more, but also the effect those things have on your body. Definitely the impact as you get older. You know that large Domino's stuffed crust pizza. Yeah, eat it an hour later, you feel fine. Now I'm not good for like two days after. Yeah, you got like a salt hangover for two days, yeah. like a dehydration, and that's it's just crazy. It's. Uh, I think it maybe is maybe the more the effects of, of these things rather than like, cause you go, okay, well my body feels like crap today. Why does it feel like crap? Let's go down the list. Okay. It's that. But I, I find that quite interesting that I'm, I'm much more aware of myself mentally and physically than I ever have been. And everyone goes, Oh, I wish I could still drink like I did in my early twenties. I'm like, I just don't. <laughs> I'm like, I did it in my early twenties. So I don't need to do it now. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I'm glad I did it in my early twenties. I had a great, I had a blast. The first uh, five years of abandoned ship was some crazy stories from that, but the last four have been a bit more sort of smarter, a little bit more controlled. I've still gone and had a lot of fun. We're obviously we haven't even got to opening the bars yet, but that's obviously the next chapter of abandoned ship, um, and that involves having a certain level of party lifestyle. But it's now done in moderation. It's now done under my control rather than just being like, yeah, screw it. I'll just go have fun. And it doesn't matter. It's like, okay, well, I'll do, I'll do all my chores so I can go out and have fun. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that's probably a good segue back to Abandoned Ship. We've got some really good yeah. topics. There. I really like that. I guess where we left Abandoned Ship was the liquidation. So can you tell the story of how you got the brand back? Uh, yes. Yeah, so with the liquidation, um, we basically... It just got to a point where it wasn't working anymore. Um, I got advice from lawyers. I got advice from accountants. I got like, advice from uh, liquidators. I went and spoke. I, I, it was a voluntary liquidation. I went and spoke to everyone about it. If I didn't do something then, then I would have got the business into a much worse state, and I would have affected other people's livelihoods a lot more, like like a lot worse than I than I could have possibly if I just dealt with it then. So I kind of went and dealt with it. Um, and basically the upshot was that the only thing left of the business was the intellectual property, which I had to buy back from the liquidators. So the abandonment apparel domain, the logos, the artwork that had been created. Um, and there was like a, a little bit of stock that was on the shelves that I bought back at a, a, a fair retail. They have You have to buy it back at a fair price. So, How many years between the liquidation and you buying back the IP? Oh, no, no year. No, no. It was, it oh, was, you it, took it, it at the it time. Was, oh, I, did it, right. I did it then and there. I, I, there was literally, I think there was a two week period where we were closed. Right. Yeah, oh, well, I thought it was longer. Okay. No, well, I kind of did all the did all the stock taking and sort out all the stuff that was in the warehouse and gave a list to the liquidator. Went, what what do you want to sell? What do you want to do to um to to give our uh, creditors money? So I basically sorted it all out, bought back the intellectual property, and moved everything up to Dundee from Glasgow, and basically just started the business from zero, apart from obviously the social media following and the name associated the thing with that was though that um actually one of our creditors was actually very very angry with us i got death threats i had to get the police involved they ran newspaper stories that weren't true about me they did loads of crazy stuff jesus and it was a really difficult point because i was already very low about what happened and then i'm being sort of thrown under the bus and 
I'm the only one left of the business out of anyone. My my business partner Duncan at the time, he uh, I I bought him out as part of I he walked away and I bought him out his shares out as I bought that out. So sure. I walked. I kept the business going. He walked away, um, which was already kind of a decision that we were looking at anyway. Uh, we're still good friends, which is good. We were out at the weekend actually, uh, which is fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he, we we parted ways. So there was a lot. All this was on my shoulders because I didn't want him dealing with it. Um, I had a new business partner who came on to to help me, who I'd had who I had a hard grind barbershop with that we actually ended up separating business two years ago. So he came on. So I didn't want him to be burdened with a broken toy. And I didn't want my old business partner to be burdened with any of the aftermath of anything. So I took the whole thing on my shoulders. So I was dismantling a business, rebuilding a business and dealing with the fallout of people with death threats and national newspapers running stories about me. And I wasn't allowed to say anything in the newspapers because my lawyers were like, if you do, then it'll become this whole thing and it'll be worse. So just shut up and just let it happen it will matter in a couple of days i still get people occasionally just message me about it and be like oh you did this and i'm like no i didn't it's not true it was like made made up amounts of money and all this crazy stuff and it was it was just one of these things it was just it was really awful it just felt really like i felt really bad like i couldn't defend my name i eventually told this whole story via instagram like i I was completely i was on completely honest told like what happened it was our fault this is where we're at this and kind of had to rebuild the trust of all our customers again and it was difficult it was difficult to do we probably lost a lot of customers a lot of people probably don't know that we're still going because we went kind of from being on the high street in retail um to going back to our sort of grassroots again yeah because um, we i completely pulled all the product from um all of our venue all of our sellers so it was just us we were just selling online mm-hmm. and it took us a while to kind of build that back up again we didn't do a sale for the first year so we didn't do any discounts for the first year because i felt that the business had lost its integrity because we had to do so many sales to try and keep afloat the year before trying to stave off liquidation and make sure we pay everyone mm-hmm. so uh, the brand yes you're the brand the brand is you abandoned ship really exciting future that sounds like a cheesy tagline but i mean it because i obviously know everything that's going on even though we said we weren't going to say that we knew this stuff what has taken off because starting from this t-shirt brand to it's really interesting that you said last year was a difficult year mentally but for the brand there was some real highlights yeah definitely um like obviously as you say the brand is me, I am the brand. That's kind of, as I said earlier in the podcast, it's had many iterations, but I've been the one sort of continuing feature and it's weirdly just kind of gelled into me and I gelled into it. Um, and more so now that sort of from the last, in the last 18 months, I've been the 100% owner of Abandoned Ship. Before that, I've always had business partners and they've been understanding of the business and kind of let me have a, a run at it. There's a trust element there of what I'm doing and what I'm saying. But since sort of, taking full ownership of it and sort of not having that other voice is not diluted anymore. It's kind of more so me and and that feels that has been to its benefit Mm -hmm. because I can sort of, I don't need to run things past people. I just be like, this is the idea, this is happening. Well, let's go for it. And it's, it's been really interesting because with online retail and retail in general, you have to constantly be uh, changing and evolving and reinventing the wheel and we've done that with through pre-orders and through subscription boxes subscription boxes are now over they were that was an idea four years ago um, and now for us we're moving away from t-shirts which is insane for a t-shirt brand like we're working on whiskey box sets uh, we've got coffee that we're making in the pipeline and probably the, the most significant thing 
um, that happened in 2018 and is going to explode this year is that we've moved into the bar industry, taking the lifestyle brand of a man and ship, a clothing company, and turning it into a physical venue with food and drink and artwork all over the walls. And it resonates the brand, probably one of the crowning achievements of the business to, to date, because to have such a strong, visceral brand identity and narrative that you can translate it from one industry to another industry, which don't have, they do have an overlap, but not that much of an overlap. Mm -hmm. And it's still very much instantly abandoned ship is insane. I don't think it's something that uh, many businesses have done or would be able to do. But when uh, the way I described abandoned ship bar, when, uh, when we opened it in Dundee in December, 2018 was it's like, you've walked into my mind into my brain and then someone's doused my brain in whiskey and set on fire and it's just it it felt like home as soon as we walked in and it's been great to work with phil donaldson who you did the uh earlier episode with aj and the team i like the whole team everyone who's not just at the abandoned ship bar but i've become part of the mcmary family unofficially which has been amazing to be a part of like everyone that works in the business has been so awesome and the reason that i started working together with phil was because i was a patron of his bars uh, but to be able to do that has been incredible because they have such a knowledge and vision for that industry that i would never be able to understand unless i had as many years in the industry as they do which is over a decade so it was almost like we married the brand and the kind of the lifestyle of abandoned ship with like this amazing knowledge and understanding of the trade and they just married together perfectly and so now we're at a point where less than 18 months after the first one, we're about to uh, get the keys for our second unit in Camden in London. So we're about to take abandoned ships sort of nationwide. And that's the first of multiple ones that we're looking to open, which is, it's crazy. I, I'm just, I cannot wait to have people walk into our world. Because um, we've, we've attempted that with retail before. We attempted it with abandoned ship stores. We used to have one in London and we had one in Glasgow um, sort of five or six years ago. And they were great. They were a really fun aspect. But most of the aspects of that, that I remember that were the big points were the parties that we threw. So now we're just throwing parties every night. Instead, like the retail's there. Like you can come buy a t-shirt from us in our bar. But there's always an atmosphere. There's always a, a sense of community. There's always people talking and having fun. Mm. And that's what really I enjoyed about the abandonment experience before so to have that now and then go okay well t-shirts are secondary yeah you can buy a t-shirt if you want to but just come and hang out with us and just be a part of this family is is great um so i'm really excited to see where we take that and how we take that on it's um, really i mean it's so much more than t-shirts now abandoned ship is becoming this mammoth of a brand and i've been lucky enough and for anyone who visits dundee or when it's open around about april time in camden london the Bandship bars are class. You guys went on a trip to New York to get some inspiration. Yeah, it's it's a love letter to uh, our appreciation of dive bars. So like we have picklebacks and chicken wings and bar food that you would find in a dive bar. And the way that our team sort of interacts with the patrons and stuff is very open, like a dive bar in New York. Your artwork is plastered all over the walls, the ceiling of the whole bar, right? Yeah, so the other aspect of Abandoned Ship now, so Abandoned Ship is basically Abandoned Ship Apparel, 
Abandonship Bar and Abandonship Arts. I am Abandonship Art at this point. So another one of the great things that came out of my having a really rough time with mental health. And I, um, it's, it's great that I can look back on like a really dark period in my life and go, well, the silver linings are, I'll, there's multiple silver linings, they're great. But one of the other ones is I, I never drew before then. Like I failed art in school because I hated it. And then I built an art portfolio to go to art college. And I lasted two weeks and I dropped out and I just got into retail. And then I didn't pick up a pencil for a decade. And the only reason I started drawing and doing art again was because I was so in my own head and I needed to escape. And luckily I found art instead of PlayStation because that might have been a completely different thing at this yeah. point. I started drawing. And the great thing was that I had this platform with Abandoned Ship. So people were able to come on the journey with me as I relearned how to draw and became. And over the last four years, I've developed my own style. It's very much based on traditional tattoo artwork and sort of it's quite well, some of it's quite sketchy, some of it's quite, it's all quite sort of satirical and fun. And but I do a lot of different stuff working on a tarot deck and things. But I really just enjoy being able to sort of stretch my creative muscles and like have a lot of fun with it and constantly just learn and grow and develop that skill. So in the last 18 months to two years, I've started sort of branching out, do more client work, I do large murals. So I've, I, last year I was in New York a couple of times doing murals. I was in Portland, Oregon. I was in Helsinki, Austin, Texas, doing murals for clients and having a great time doing it. Like I, I, I love, I love painting. I love, I love drawing. So going and getting to do these, I leave my stamp all over the world has been great. So there's been a lot of realizations in the last couple of years. You said you came to a realization at the end of last year about your plans for the future with the three businesses, Abandoned Ship Apparel, Abandoned Ship Bars and Abandoned Ship Art. You've also got your wife. Your business is split between Dundee and Glasgow. And soon to be London. And soon to be London. Yeah. With your newfound learnings, how are you looking to balance it all? How are you expecting to balance it all? How do you, if you are currently? I guess the the first thing to tell you is about the, uh, the mistake I made last year, the beginning of last year. I set myself a New Year's resolution to work a four-day work week. I realized that that's just not doable for me. What I try and do now is try and do five or six half days. So I always try and give myself time off each day to enjoy myself, mm. to either play video games. I try and walk my dogs most days. I, I've started going to the gym again. Sorry, why? so why couldn't you do a four-day work week? Because or... there's always there's, there's always something happening every day. Right. Because I, I still run the social media for all for Abandonship Apparel. So if I'm not posting on social media... We're not selling t-shirts. So I, I need to be thinking about that every single day, mm -hmm. even sort of in the background. I try and keep on top of my emails. Uh, I don't get as many emails anymore. I, one of the big things I did was I stopped dealing with all the faff, faff emails. Like just don't give my email out that much. I deal with who I want to deal with and, and it's great. Like, mm -hmm. so I was having a meeting earlier on. I was like, I've got four emails in my inbox. And I, this morning it was zero. So tomorrow morning it'll be back to zero. Sure. And yeah. then I'll just keep doing that. So I try and do that. So I just try and keep on top of emails so that I don't come back and I've got 20 emails I need to deal with in one day, which is fine. I don't mind doing that, but it's just keeping on top of things and just doing things as, as I need to and as I want to. And it, yeah, it just it just works for me to get up early in the morning, sort of seven or eight o'clock in the morning, spend a few hours doing what I need to do. Then I can take my dogs for a walk, have some lunch, go to the gym, play PlayStation, go for meetings. Uh, go through to Dundee kind of, and it just means that um, I'm still giving myself a good work-life balance but I'm not taking time off that then would stress me out because I'm like well, I will take Saturday and Sunday and Monday off what happens if something happens on Sunday afternoon well I'm off so I'm not going to deal with it it's easier for me just to be able to go well I'll just spend an hour now just quickly fixing it 
as long as I'm not out with friends or doing something with my wife, um, it's just easier for me just to be on top of things. Yeah. Do you um, think you've perfected it for you? I don't think I perfected it for me, no. Um, I was speaking to uh, someone today, actually, about it. I was like, I feel a little bit lethargic at the moment. And he was like, why? And I was like, I was going for it. I was like, I don't know, because I just got offered two murals this morning, which I'm really excited about. Bar's obviously happening, which is going to be great. I've, I've got a bit of time before that happens. I'm going to Bristol this week to see some friends. Everything's everything's really great. Like, I, I, I'm having a great time. Like, I, I did, uh, I got all my work done this morning. Like, I'm, I'm up to date with everything. There's nothing on my plate. That I can't handle. I feel just a bit lethargic. And he's like, you're missing adversity. Like you just, nothing's gone wrong for a little <laughs> while. You've, you're too relaxed. You've, you've been like, you've been living this like nice lifestyle for a couple of weeks. And you're just like, you're, you're bored of just being relaxed. Yeah. It's like bored of success. <laughs> the thing is, yeah, it's a success. To, I guess it's success. Like how, people, how do people sort of quantify their success? And I'm like, well, I'm nice and relaxed. Like my mom saw me last week and she was like, oh, you looked so healthy last week. Healthier than you've looked in months. I'm like, I'm sleeping. I'm relaxing. <laughs> I I don't have any stresses. Like financially, the business is doing really well. Financially, I'm sort of covered for a couple months rent, which is really nice as a self-employed person. Like I, I don't have enough to like go crazy, but I've got enough that I know that like we're cool and I don't need to like stress and like rummage around for yeah. for extra work and stuff. And I'm like... It's- so when you say you've not perfected it for yourself, is it because... It's too good to the point of boredom. I I think it's me. I think I need to, this is what I was saying. I might look back in a couple months and be like, why, why didn't I just, why didn't I just enjoy it? Like I almost felt like that a couple of weeks ago when um, we had a couple of issues and I was like, oh, January was so relaxed. Why didn't I just enjoy it more? And I'm back to it. I'm like, okay, well, why am I not enjoying this as much as I could be? Like, Mm -hmm. why am I feeling lethargic, like a little bit lethargic? It's, I think it's just this thing in my head where I'm like, I need a, I need a little bit of, a little bit of tension. So I need to either work out why and get rid of that need for it. Yeah. Or maybe I just need to give myself a little bit of attention. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just this weird thing where I'm like, because the thing is, I know that within the next six weeks, we'll start work on the bar and I'll be full on. Of course, yeah. And I know that next week I'm doing a mural, the week after I'm doing a mural, which is great. Uh, I, I can't wait to do them. I've got a bit of prep work to do, but it's all very kind of, chill and like i'm like oh that's fine i know what i'm doing i've got this i've got a diary i know where i'm at yeah. and i just it's almost like i thrive a little bit on stress and i i'm, I'm not experiencing it at the moment so i guess i i just need to just work out what that means and what the what the symptoms or what the fix of that is if i do need to maybe just add a little bit more challenge to my life beyond playing video games uh actually I, i'm i'm starting a new diet on saturday just to just to give myself a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I'm gonna cut out dairy fully, just because I was like, well, screw, it, I'll try a challenge. Right, it's, it's, it. it's like your body's been so used to stress over the years that it just needs it to function. I know. So you're gonna put it under stress now with no milk and. I know. Well, I don't. I don't. I haven't drunk milk in forever, but I mean, it's just just cheese. It's like that's the last bastion of of dairy, and I'm like, every time I eat cheese, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't eat it, but it's so good. And I'm like, right, well, now is maybe the time to like give myself that challenge i've got no other challenge in my life maybe now's the time yeah. to challenge that <laughs> so, the thing is like obviously i know that tomorrow something can happen and it'll, everything will flip on its head like the universe has shown me that many many times that when you think you're most are your most comfortable or you've achieved your greatest feat then it'll throw something into the works mm. so i'm aware of that so i should just be enjoying it and that's what i mean i'm, I'm just gonna i'm gonna try and learn how to enjoy this more rather than go right what should i do because the other day i spent half a day thinking i was gonna write a book just for something to do just for or? something to do. and then i realized i was doing it just for something to do and i was like why 
I, I, I started getting quotes for a book. And I was like, oh, it's too expensive. I'll just leave it at the moment. I don't care. And then I was like, but why am I doing that? Why was I, why was I trying to work out how the, the, the mechanics of making, I was going to be a coffee table art book. I was like, I, I want to do it. But I'm like, why? Why am I, why am I deciding to start this project now? Just I don't, before everything happens? I really don't want to jinx it, but the saying, what is idle hands of the devil's play things is starting to well, come to mind. It's funny you say that because my, my company for the uh, artwork and for my consultancy is called Work for Idle Hands. And there you go. And it is that kind of feeling. Like I, I was going to start, I was going to really delve into my consultancy this year. And I realized that I don't need to. It just felt like that was the next logical step for me to, because I'm comfortable with a manager apparel, manager bars going well, like we're exciting, but like that's where I, that's, I'm only really needed as we open bars and then periodically after. So I'm not, it's not going to be my full-time job. So I'm like, oh, I'm twiddling my thumbs. I should do another job. I should get a fourth job. I was like, why? What, what what will that achieve apart from just at some point it'll stretch me too thin or I'll get some kind of, I'll get some kind of like, I guess, uh, sort of positive reinforcement from it. But I'm like, it doesn't, I don't need to right now. I don't need to delve into it. I'll just learn what I need to learn and then I can come back to that in five years. It'll still be here in five years. Well, it's good. That kind of preempts my usual question of what lessons have you learned recently and i'm guessing this is a fairly recent one the last few weeks uh yeah definitely since sort of november i would say like moving i've moved through from uh, dundee uh, to glasgow at the end of october and that's been a really good period of time for me because it's taken me away from the day-to-day operations of a manager apparel and it's given me time to really kind of focus um, and work from home and try and get this work-life balance of where i can take the dogs for a walk every day and have an hour through the park and arrange my thoughts and work from home and stuff and it's it's been quite good. So it's kind of been an ongoing process of trying to work all this out in my head and kind of see where I'm at. My advice that I've always given to everyone whenever talking about business is my mantra is inaction is the enemy. Just do it. Just go for it. Just attack it. Try it. Fail. Get back up. Go again. And for the first time in my life, I'm not just going, let's just, let's just do it. I'm going, actually, let's think about this and let's, line it up and do it properly or let's just not do it like i've been offered jobs in uh canada and some other places already this year and i've, I've turned them down whereas last year i would have been like yeah i want to go to montreal that'd be amazing let's go it's interesting where i'm at at the moment because i'm like well let's actually just pick and choose these these things that i know i'm going to enjoy rather than try and do everything try and eliminate that uh what i think what the youth call fomo yeah so i'm trying to eliminate that because I've, I've done a lot of these things now so i'm like well actually i know that I just want to do it because of a sense of adventure or a sense of, oh, I might be missing out. So I'll just not do it and just be happy in my environment and just pick and choose the things I want to do. Well, so, but are you saying for people who are kind of starting out to just go for everything? I would say when you're starting out, definitely. It's not go for everything. It's just, if you have an idea, just stop talking about it and do it. A lot of people just talk about things constantly or they wait till something's perfect and then, it never happens and then they blame the universe or they blame other uh, sort of issues but it's like well you obviously have to weigh up what's the worst that can happen if you try something but if it's not that bad then just give it a go like the only thing that you have to worry about is failing and that's just your ego being dumb like we all fail every day like failure is just a step to success anyway so why why worry about it just call it something different don't call it failure if that's what upsets you but i i don't i've i've done i with abandoned ship i try so many things at the weekend i tried a promotion where 
if you spent over £30, you got a pair of socks for free for Valentine's Day. The socks said love sucks on them. And I was like, you know what? It's a nice thing for Valentine's. The whole premise was it's for people who uh, don't enjoy Valentine's. If you spend over £30, get a pair of free socks. I think we sold like three pairs of free socks. Didn't work. But I've tried it. So now I can put it aside and go, okay, well, that, that kind of promotion doesn't work. I can evaluate it and go, well, did it not work because of the time of year or because of the product or just because that kind of promotion doesn't work? Mm-hmm. We'll work it out. And you go, well, that's a failure because we could have made more money if maybe I'd done a more traditional promotion. But I didn't necessarily need money. I just wanted to do something to try it and to see how it worked so that I've got that in my arsenal for later on in the year. Um, and it failed. And that's fine. That's just like the the most recent sort of failure that I've had. Like I have, I fail multiple times a week. Well, you've got a great creative brain. Because I remember when I visited your warehouse with you, there was just all these different ideas and things you were always coming out with. Did you get to that point over time just from trying things and failing? Or is it something you've always had? It's, I think with I think abandonship was uh, an element of luck with how it started. We started something not realizing what it was ever going to be. And then what that did is that opened doors to that creativity. So I tried things and enough of them worked that I could keep trying new things. And one of the issues with abandonship for sort of most of the last sort of nine years has been that I'll create revenue and do things to do the next thing. Like I'm like, before I've enjoyed that thing, I'm like, cool, okay, now I've got the money to do this product or to go here, do that. And actually it's just, so it's just been a constant creative factory for me just to be like, all right, cool. Like I have this idea. I want to do this now. I've got this. We're going to do this so we can do this. And it just, it was always just a constant flow of things. So actually sometimes we would, we would do something that, maybe it barely even touched the sides and people even didn't even notice it before the next thing was out or people maybe would have enjoyed it more or if we'd had it running for a little bit longer we would have got to a point where it was more successful yeah i'm like oh well no i'm done with it it's been two weeks let's move on to the next thing so i don't know if a banship um kind of that banship definitely helped that but i do remember 11 years ago i wanted to open a mexican takeaway place in glasgow before all the tackle places opened and it was just at a point where I didn't understand even how to start a business. So I, I, and that was one of the ones where I went to, I moved to London for a year and came back and there was like three Mexican places. And I was like, oh, I knew that that was a thing. Cause I've always loved Mexican food. And I was like, just have this idea for it. I was like, I think that, I think so. I've always had that kind of content, like that kind of being able to go, well, that's a good idea. That'd be cool. But it was just, I maybe didn't have the tools or the resources to do it before. Mm. And there's, there's projects that, I don't have the tools or resources to do right now that I would love to have a go at, but maybe in the future that'll happen. Like I, I can, I just work within my wheelhouse at the moment and with what I'm able to create. I think me and Phil were talking about the other day, if we had like sort of someone to just back us, then we'd probably have like 75 businesses at any one time. And sure. Because me and him will sit down and sort of back and forth about sort of crazy ideas, like pie in the sky kind of concepts and stuff. So I think you just, and I think you're attracted, you, you're always kind of attracted to those kind of people. Like you, like, in sort of life you always kind of end up finding these people who have kind of got that same kind of mentality of just like just visually imagine like just coming up these things but i think the idea is half the battle it's having the gusto just to go right well actually let's do it and that's what i'm saying like you can have a million ideas but if you never act on any of them then you're never going to actually achieve anything and it can just be as simple as wanting to go to college and get like a degree that you didn't get or anything like that but it's just sometimes it just takes that kind of step to go, well, 
what's the worst that can happen? Why am I not doing this? What's stopping me? Is it just myself or like, is it, is it something more? And if it's just yourself, then you might as well give yourself a go, uh, give yourself a chance and go for it. And obviously everyone's got their own personal circumstances, but it's just a case of just kind of being honest with yourself. And I think as you get further into your fairies, you have to get more honest with yourself because otherwise it makes life very, very difficult. There comes a point where you have to kind of know your own bullshit from reality. Um, and if you don't, then you kind of stop growing and you stop learning. And then that's when kind of things start falling apart. And I think that's one of the main things I've learned in my fairies is cut my own bullshit and actually just like know who I am and who I want to be. Because if you can lie to yourself, you can lie to anyone. So just stop lying to yourself. Beautiful. And action is the enemy and know yourself. Yeah. I think those are great messages to leave people with. Awesome. Rich, thank you so much for oh, coming thank on, you man. For having me. Yeah, it's awesome. That was great. Cheers. Cheers, man. <laughs> I mean, what a story, right? Guys, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Share, tell friends, leave a review. Please send me any feedback. I love hearing what people think and what they're enjoying and also what you're hating plenty of time in lockdown to be working on the next episode so that will be out within the next week or two thank you for listening until next time